Radical, episode 200. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as you can hear, or, or maybe if this is your first time, you can't hear. But if, you, if you've been a fan for a long time, you can definitely hear a difference in uh, the, the sound of the show. And I apologize for that. Like, I'm I'm really, really uh, tuned into how my my show sounds. Like I, I put a lot of effort into making it sound better and better and better over time, and doing certain things. And I'm broadcasting uh, from bed. Uh, you guys know, uh, said in my last show that uh, I had surgery, so I am still in bed. And uh, today getting to watch, you know, a little more news than usual. I'm obviously, um, down for a while. And, um, this, uh, this world in its craziness, it's, it's very easy for me to see kind of who's going where and what's going on in the world and, and who's trying to sell what, I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, so much products as I am narratives these days. It's weird. Um, it's 2020 and people are using, ancient forms of torture, uh, ancient forms of, uh, you know, breaking, you know, prisoners of war in terms of, you know, psychological operations. Um, you know, this, this idea of mass psychosis and, and everything that this government and a lot of governments around the world do, and let's just face it, like this is kind of who they are and, and what they do. They use force and coercion. They use all sorts of, um, you know, manipulation in terms of propaganda. Uh, they use the indoctrination camps to condition you from the time you're five, you know, until now. And if you're obviously new to the show, welcome. I, 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 I obviously I'm glad anybody and everybody's here. I don't care where you come from, but, um, this is, is one of those things that I talk about is like, they've got the entire system and it's from the time you're five, um, and through life, right? Like it's, it's basically you get the first five years, maybe with your parents, if you're lucky and you stay home. Um, and then after that, like it's the state and they just ramp up they introduce more, um, you know, fake binary false choices and things like that. And, um, send you out into the world get your job, get your, uh, you know, college degree, whatever, and then just stay plugged into the system and let it feed you the bullshit that they want you to see with all sorts of, you know, false choices and dilemmas and, uh, absolute banning and shadowing and making illicit or illegal, uh, things that can really change the world for the better. So in this episode, uh, 200, woo, uh, we'll celebrate at 250. Maybe we'll do something um, this summer. 250, you'll have to put it on the, the calendar. Maybe we can get together at a brewery, hang out, have a talk, um, take over a, a theater. I don't know. Maybe we'll do something live. It'd be a lot of fun, have everybody in town. But today I got to watch as Zelensky addressed the U.S. Congress. And obviously... When you watch these things and you're objective or extremely cynical because you know what they're trying to do um, in terms of manipulation and fear and selling people things, you see very, very clearly um, what they are trying to sell. And right now it's like 24-7, they are trying to sell war with Ukraine. And how are they doing it? 
you know, they show us, uh, you know, lots and lots and lots and lots of kids, um, lots of women, lots of buildings uh, that are in shambles, burning, on fire, destroyed, shelled, you name it. Um, they show rescue crews, they show ambulances and even in war, that's very one-sided. Um, there are some other things that go on in war that you'll never hear about that are just, um, some compelling stories. Like, I mean, take for the, uh, for, take for example, the, the Christmas episode I did when we talked about the truce between the troops in, uh, on, on the front in France in Germany, where they came out of their foxholes, played soccer, they sang, um, you know, Christmas songs together. And like, you don't, you don't hear about that kind of stuff, but having, you know, been in combat, like I can tell you, you know, a lot of times, you know, there's some things that will happen that you see and you're just, you're amazed. Like in those situations, where good people are doing amazing things, you know, whether it's the people that are going in uh, and supplying the the residents, the, the civilians in Ukraine with medicine, with food, with arms, you know, anything and everything they, they could possibly need. You know, we don't see those stories, the heroism that a lot of people are seeing. Like, we just are being sold this idea that Ukraine is absolutely getting clobbered by Russia, which I really don't see it in the numbers. I've, I've kind of gone through some reports to, to see, um, you know, what numbers I can find. I've heard, I've seen statistics all over the place, which is a very good indication that the stats aren't in the favor of what they're trying to sell, right? And, and so, like, I've seen as far as many as, um, you know, a hundred to two hundred. Uh, children have died, right? Like, uh, I think that number is actually closer to a hundred from what is most consistent in reporting. Um, and I've seen, you know, somewhere around 1500 Ukrainian deaths of people who are actually fighting or, um, you know, like that's in, in the long run, I, I hate it for all of them. I hate, you know, that they're going through this. I hate, I hate it. They, they have losses. But I see, you know, how they're trying to report. And I, I also I also see some of the numbers that apparently they're reporting on the Russian fatalities, right? The, the, the fatalities of the soldiers that are coming in f- from Russia or that are mercenaries that are being paid to come in and, and fight this battle. And when when I see some numbers that estimate 11,000, that is a giant number of losses for Russians, if that's accurate. I mean, that is, it's, it's almost an unbelievable number. Like, to give you an idea, when we took over Fallujah, which in the Middle East, uh, I'd say it's a, you know, pretty, you know, average size city. I've seen some smaller. I've seen, obviously, some that are bigger. Um, but... To take that city, you know, online with a lot of very dominant firepower, we use 10,000 Marines. That's a lot of Marines. That's two regiments of uh, Marines. And, you know, 
to, to think that the Ukrainians and their people have taken, you know, 11,000 professionally trained gunmen. I think there's something that is telling about that. I think it's, I think it's odd that we don't hear maybe more about that. Um, but I'm telling you, you know, a lot of times if they're trying to sell you something and the statistics don't meet up and you don't see it or you can't find it, there's a reason for it. Um, but with all that being said, you know, obviously my prayers go out for the, to these people. I, I hate it for them. Um, but I did want to address a couple things with it. Um, Zelensky came uh, via satellite, I guess, to the members of Congress who were all gathered in some auditorium today. And I watched, um, you know, the delivery. Uh, the translator, first and foremost, could have been a little bit better. And then um, so he kind of broke it up into three parts. He came in, he had a translator where he spoke, um, you know, his native language. And then they cut to, uh, you know, propaganda video. It's the same thing that everybody else is showing, right? Like people are happy, people are happy, and then Russia invades. And now there's no more happiness and they're killing babies and killing women and children and fire and death and, and destruction and war and, and all this kind of stuff. And then the third part of the speech, he spoke English and there was a translator for the Ukrainians. So in the speech, one of the, the big things that apparently, you know, Zelensky wants is air superiority and basically a no fly zone over Ukraine. Some people are like, Hey, yeah, you know, let, let's do it. The problem is, is there's when anybody ever says, Hey, we should do this thing. That's an indication that you're going to use some sort of force to do it. And I'm not saying, you know, you can't ever use force. Like I'm, I'm not one of those people that's a pacifist. I get it. If I was Ukraine, I would want air superiority too. I would want a no fly zone because my country and my people are being destroyed. Now, is that looking short term? I think it is. Because here's what happens. If you try to enforce a no-fly zone over Ukraine, and I'm sure other people have said it, but what you're going to do is use force. And if you escalate force and it's not Ukrainian, which, let's face it, it's probably not, overwhelmingly probably not Ukrainian. And it gets escalated with a nuclear Russia. Like, that's when things go bad. Really, really, really sideways. Like, I, I think, I don't think people stop to understand, like, oh, you know, we got to stop the death and destruction with more death and destruction is my answer. Like, it's just, this doesn't end well if we escalate. I've said it a number of times, but I think the solution is, is it's opening the borders completely and making sure that not only the Ukrainian people are taken care of, but the Russian people are taken care of. And let's call out, you know, Putin for, you know, who he is, right? Like, let's do some things about like, you know, working that narrative. Hey, man, we want to help Russia. We want to help Ukraine. We want good people to live in peace. And we should definitely be allowed to do those kind of things, right? Another, I'm going to do another bit for Bitcoin here. 
right? With Bitcoin, you can do those things. Can you imagine right now if Bitcoin was running stuff over there? You couldn't stop trade. You couldn't stop trade of the good people who really need help right now. On the other hand, when you have central banks like you do running everything over there, you get things like social credit scores, which are now in Ukraine. They've adopted, you know, WEF measures for social credit scores and, and, you know, digital ID and all these things for vaccinations and whatever else. So they're not, you know, Zelensky and his, and his guys aren't the best people, right? Let's face it. And that's where, you know, we can say that about the U.S. We can say that about Russia. We can say it about Ukraine. We can say it about most governments. Now, if we can trade with those people, people to people, help them out, get them some money where they need it without forcing coercion, and we can do it right now versus taking that money, pushing it through Congress, debating it, talking about it, squibbling and squabbling while people actually really need resources, right? Like this is an archaic system we live in and that archaic system is dying, which we're going to get into here in a minute too, because they may try to get rid of, you know, RT, Russian television and all that kind of stuff, but you, you got to pay attention to every side. And there's some truth in what they don't want you to see. So with all that said, you know, Zelensky kept asking for things. Um, looks like he's going to get, um, you know, 800 million uh, from President Biden. I think he's got his slush fund. And I guess they're also going to get about a billion in security assistance uh, from us. So, you know, we're, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions and billions of dollars already that are kind of going to be appropriated through government channels, which I trust least to help over there. Right. If you're just flooding that country with not armor, not munitions, not jets, not, not the MIC and you're sending over stuff that helps these people, like, is there going to be an, a, an escalation? No, at some point you have an abundance of things and people get a little more comfortable and, and comfort in civilizations. It's actually a pretty good thing at preventing war. It really is. Um, it sounds like though they are going to get um, 9,000 anti-armor systems. That's a lot. I uh, imagine most of those things are javelin, shoulder-fired uh, infantry type weapons. If you don't know what a javelin is, um, it's basically a tank buster. Um, we used them sometimes. We didn't use them so much as anti-armor. Um, back in the day, we would use them in urban combat because you could put them right inside of a window where you were taking sniper fire or machine gun fire or you know sporadic fire or whatever. You put them in there and, you know, Nat's ass, that thing was done. You know, send it through window, ceiling, whatever, if you were good enough. And, yeah, it was, it was incredible. So they're going to get 9,000 of those things. That's a ton. Any tank that Russia's got, any piece of armor that they've got, like 9,000 anti-armor systems is a big deal. Uh, they're going to get 800 anti-aircraft systems. Uh, in, in an area... You know where you're projecting force, and you know in a 
and an idea of where those things would come from, you know, 800 anti-aircraft uh, systems is a, is a pretty big deal. I imagine um, most of those are going to be like, you know, what I saw on boats, which is called like a Sea Whiz. It's a, a minigun uh, that absolutely just vaporizes anything uh, in their airspace with rounds, you know, shooting so fast. It's, I mean, it'll make your head spin. And then they're going to get 7,000 small arms, which that doesn't seem like a lot. And 20 million rounds in ammunition. See, now, this is where I disagree with the amount. Like, if you're going to send stuff to Ukraine, you would want every Ukrainian armed. Absolutely. And this is one of my points with all of this. I, I am sick to death of the world lecturing us on our gun culture. There's a reason why people just roll through the United States, even if they are tyrants. It's because everybody's got goddamn guns. Everybody. 7,000 small arms. With like, I mean, there's a lot of people over there, a lot of refugees that need to go back, right? Take over their homes, take over their lands again. Those people are going to need arms. 7,000 small arms? I mean, I don't know what the math is. 7,000 and two with 20 million rounds like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me and maybe it's a typo i don't know but i did see that and i was just like yeah all right what would be best i don't think it's best in terms of uh the anti-air and you know the anti-armor stuff like okay cool for the guys who are actually well trained in this kind of stuff but i'll tell you what small arms in everybody's hands now that presents a giant problem that's a multiplication factor. Like this, this is a force multiplier factor that if you're not safe anywhere, you turn around with a Russian uniform on, that's a big factor in whether Russia stays or, or, or advances or they go back. Right. And you know, what, what Putin can't really afford for too long is to keep this going or to be stalled. You know, at some point people get very, very tired of war. And if they're, it's, you know, in, in the, the people on the battlefield, plus the people back home, it sounds like there's been 14,000 people already arrested back home in Russia for, uh, these guys, uh, protesting like people are tired of war. I think our generation is absolutely tired of war, it's seen it forever. If this thing stalls out. It's the best thing for Ukraine. They'll reach maybe some kind of deal or they'll have better leverage to reach a better deal with Russia in terms of how it goes back. And, you know, when this is all over, you know, what I've heard is sanctions are going to stay on Russia. Like, Damn it, guys. It's just going to affect the people who are the most vulnerable, the poorest people. That's who it's going to affect. It's not going to affect Putin. I think the people are going to like, and that's what they want. They want the people to rise up and overthrow Putin. Well, it's like, is that going to happen? I don't know. Is it going to happen without more bloodshed? Do you guys not know any other way to do this kind of stuff? And they don't. The, the answer is they don't. Anyway, um, I thought it was interesting when Zelensky kind of incited uh, or, or referenced uh, Pearl Harbor and the uh and september 11th 
what he was doing was he was appealing to American emotions that, you know, have lived through those days, trying to make the comparison, basically saying that, you know, I, I think his quote was, remember Pearl Harbor, remember September 11th, our country experiences experiences this every day right now. At this moment, every night for three weeks now. And yes, war is terrible. I don't, I don't think by the numbers that they've lost that many people doesn't matter. No, they're being attacked, but what they're doing, what he was doing was appealing to emotion. And uh, it's like, this isn't the same thing, guys. This isn't the same thing at all. Like, I'm pretty sure 9-11, there's a lot of stuff we still don't know. I think there's like 28 pages that are still in the skiff in Congress that they won't release. Suggests Saudi Arabia is definitely implicated and possibly uh, parts of our own government. Like, that's a big problem. Pearl Harbor, well, you know, if you know history, you know Pearl Harbor could have at least been... um, I guess, prepared for and advanced. I mean, they knew that we were going to get struck and they didn't say anything to people on Pearl Harbor. Amazing place to sail into, by the way. It was one of the craziest experiences of my life was sailing on a LHA into Pearl Harbor, um, quote unquote, manning the rails on my second deployment to the Middle East. We, we stopped in, uh, in Honolulu and Pearl Harbor and, Man, what a what a moment that is to you know slowly cruise by above way above the water, um, you know the memorials out there and it's, it's unbelievable. But my point is, is I'm not you know I don't think most people are going to go. Oh yeah, you know like we you know we have this similarity. Like I think it's a bad, I think it's a bad call by Zelensky, right? Like nobody came to help the U S the U S ran to help Europe during world war two. I mean, that's what it is. And in terms of all the middle Eastern wars after nine 11, like pff, they were all bullshit. All of them. We, I mean, Jesus Christ. Anyway, I, I wanted to I wanted to talk about that a little bit in terms of you know what you're being shown versus you know what what is going on and here here's the other thing is if Putin wanted to absolutely flatten Ukraine carpet bomb Ukraine he could he could take out Kiev and and Maripol and and all of these things if he really wanted to just by absolute shock alone uh, through carpet bombing and he hasn't, you know, so be very careful as to, you know, what you hear. I mean, if, if what you're seeing in terms of, you know, Ukrainians fighting in urban areas, in civilian populated areas, there's a good chance they are. It's a good chance that that's how they've taken, you know, how Russia has taken so many casualties, right? Is Navigating urban terrain is super dangerous if you're the invading force. And if 
you're fighting back and forth and these guys do have tanks and they do have uh, anti-armor type weapons and things like that. When you see buildings destroyed, a lot of times what's happening is those combatants are engaging people in civilian population that are fighting from civilian population, whether they're apartments or houses or whatever they are. And so a lot of times that destruction is what you're going to see. Is it right? No, it's not right. But I, to preface it from understanding somebody's been there and done this kind of stuff, I thought it's important. Now, uh, let's get into the article from Russia right now. This is um, this is pretty interesting. So this is out of um, RT.com. And you got to look at every side. Like what I did in terms of like intelligence for my platoon, like I was at the intelligence NCO when I was in the platoon. So to be able to find as much as possible, look at it somewhat objectively and then kind of understand what was happening. So f- this is just kind of a common practice. So this is um, published on the 16th and it's uh, West global political and economic dominance ends Putin. The Russian president says the myth of the Western welfare state of the so-called golden billion is crumbling. This is interesting. So what is going on in terms of why is, why is Putin doing this? Are you told, like, what are you told? You're told on network news He's a madman. Maybe he's sick. Maybe he's dying. Maybe he wants war. Like, you know, he's an absolute madman. Well, okay, I don't disagree. But most people, when they quote unquote go to war, they have what they've, you know, they have what they've done in terms of their own mind, in terms of just the justification piece of why. Right? Is it right? No. Is killing people ever going to be okay on the offensive countries taking countries, states going in, killing innocent men, women, and children? No, it's not. But we need to understand, like, we need to be adults about this. We need to shift from our lower brain out of that fear place and into our upper brain to where we can look at this through a historical lens, through an economic lens, through a lens of being... Russian, right? Like if you want it, like you need to be able to understand who you're fighting, why you're fighting, especially if you're going for peace. If you don't want peace and you want to escalate, you dehumanize them, you make them out to be the boogeyman, whether it's true or not, it's easier if it's true. And then you attack them, attack, 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 attack. Because that's how you sustain war. Give them a boogeyman until the boogeyman is dead and accounted for. The war machine doesn't stop. So it is super important. If you want peace, you got to find out what your enemy wants to stop killing people. You got to at least find out. I'm not saying you need to negotiate with them. I'm not saying you ever need to give it to them, but you need to find out 
Because here's the other question is what I don't hear ever in the news is what are Putin's specific demands and what are Zelensky's specific demands? How, how do you even start having conversations like, what is it? Are they publicized? Do we know what they are? We have no, like, I haven't seen it. I've looked. I have no idea. It's like the statistics that are supporting the absolute slaughter of the Ukrainians. I don't, I can't find it. I can't find great numbers that support what we're doing or what they want us to do. So in this article, it says Russian President Vladimir Putin has opined that the latest rounds of unprecedented sanctions imposed on Russia by U.S. and its allies over the Kremlin's military campaign in Ukraine mark the end of an era. According to Putin, from now on, the West will be losing its global dominance, both politically and economically. Speaking on Wednesday, the Russian head of state proclaimed that the myth of the Western welfare state of the so-called golden billion is crumbling. Moreover, it is the whole planet that is having to pay the price for the West's ambitious and it, ambitions and its attempts to retain its vanishing dominance at any cost, Putin said. Now, do you have an open enough mind to sit here and hear this out? Is there truth in it? Yes. Then you can learn something. You can learn something about Vladimir Putin. I'm not saying you need to sympathize with him. I'm not saying that, oh, just because he makes really good points and truth in truth, that he's our buddy now. I wish I wish people had that level of nuance. He is not wrong. And I've been saying it on this show for a long time and on the rebellion before this. Yes, the global reserve currency, the fiat dollar, is losing its dominance, period. It's a fact. And here's the thing is, it's pretty natural throughout history. We've seen this over and over and over again. We've seen it with the um, with the pound. We have seen it with the, the Roman, uh, God, like, was it Krona or whatever it was? We, we've seen it time and time again over history where something happens, usually centralization, where coin is manipulated by a central authority and people lose confidence in it. And that's what's happened with the U S dollar. Can't print it into infinity and still have people like China and Russia or India or Saudi Arabia or Iraq or Libya or Syria any of these places in the world that have become extremely wealthy because of their acceptance of fiat currency for minerals and resources. That's gone. That's what happens when you inflate your currency into oblivion. People are like, eh, what is it? What's another trillion on top of 31 trillion, right? Like at some point they just lose interest. They're going, hmm, this shit ain't buying what it's used to. 
And if this continues to happen, we're going to get the bad end of the deal. You guys are going to keep getting richer. You guys are going to keep controlling things. You're going to keep going to war. You're going to keep abusing peaceful people around the planet. And we have. America is an empire that is absolutely in decline and it has made its fortune doing terrible things to people overseas. A lot of good, peaceful people where they said, man, there's a boogeyman. Let's go do something about it, right? The installing of, you know, the Shah over in Iran, the first coup, Operation Ajax in 1952 that the CIA pulled off in Iran. Like we've been doing this kind of shit for a long time. He's not wrong. The episode goes on or the, uh, yeah, the, the episode does go on. The article goes on. The president predicted food shortages across the world as Western sanctions against Russia that are, are adversely affecting the entire global economy. This is going to happen. Said so it, it actually the beginning of COVID, right? You start shutting things down and the poorest parts of the, the world are going to starve. Because the economy is going to collapse. Couldn't stop the, the economic collapse unless they adopted Bitcoin to begin with. But they're not going to do that because they, they would rather have power longer. They would rather have their fake riches longer. They'd rather let people starve to death than give up any of it. Touching on the decision by several Western powers to freeze Russia's central bank assets, Putin claimed that this would only serve to irreparably undermine trust in those nations and make other countries think twice before placing their reserves in the care of those countries. According to him, nearly half of Moscow's assets were simply stolen by the West. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's... That's what banks are going to do all over the world. They're happy to go after Putin, Putin's government, any, anybody with lots and lots and lots of zeros and assets and wealth in Russia. Why? Because Russia is not playing by the rules. They're not in their program. They're not in the WEF. They're not in the IMF. They're not in any of these NATO or UN organizations. Like, well, I shouldn't say UN, but they're not in the rest of them. They don't. They're not who they want them to be. Russia is not who the Western powers that be want them to be. So, will they take from them, dude? These guys. They're not just gangsters. You're talking about psychopath, psychopathic demons. These people are as evil as they get. They don't give a shit about anybody dying, especially not kids. Like, they don't care. And they are jacking a lot of the wealth out of Russia. Indiscriminate, I'm sure. Oh, you're wealthy? Let me have some of that. Let me take some of that. Our economy is collapsing. We're about to be powerless because the U.S. dollar is about to be gone. Let's take anything and everything we can and move it and make it liquid so that we can do whatever we want to do with it. He's not wrong. 
Addressing people in the West, the Russian leader said massive sanctions imposed on Russia are already backfiring on the U.S. and Europeans themselves. With governments, they are trying hard to convince their citizens that Russia was to blame. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure uh, if, if you look back over time, and we've said it a, a bunch here, is obviously inflation didn't just start the other day, right? Like it was slowly at first and then all of a sudden, right? Like that's how empires collapse. The the amount of of purchasing power that the dollar had lost by the time Russia had started this is over 98% and losing it faster and faster and faster. If you look at the, the pump, it's a very good indication of how fast inflation is moving through the economy with absolutely no sign of stopping. So Putin goes on. Putin warned ordinary people in the West that attempts to portray Moscow as the primary source of all their woes were lies. He's right. Uh, With a lot of those issues being the direct result of Western governments, ambitions, and political short-sightedness. I mean, Putin talking like this, he's not wrong. I mean, are, are the governments of all these ridiculous Western nations, are they ambitious? Of course they are. They go way too far around the world, killing, harming, crushing people, cities, civilizations, neighborhoods, whatever. And are they politically short-sighted? Of course they are. They don't, they, I mean, they, they enslave people through debt and taxes as their job. They're, they're all too happy to take tomorrow's freedom for today's pleasure, period. That's, I mean, is anybody going to argue with that political short-sightedness of Western? I mean, look at Congress for God's sakes. They're not high time preference. They got low time preference, right? Immediate gratification. Right now, we got to do this. We can't kick the can down the road and, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's what they always say. And what do they do? We spend, 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 spend. I mean, Jesus Christ, they just passed another, what, $1.3 trillion spending bill that only funds the government through, I think it's October. Oh, man, like, it's nuts. Last little bit of this. The Western elites, according to Putin, have turned their countries into an empire of lies, quote, but Russia will keep on presenting its own position to the world, no matter what. This is crazy. Like, if he wasn't in Ukraine right now, if he wasn't, you know, demolishing and going to war and, and like, this, he would have a much better position to say all this. It's not that it's untrue. It's that when you kill women and children, when you make war, you are not the good guy ever. And you're not. So anyway, I wanted to, I wanted to go through these two things. I wanted to maybe open your to your mind to looking outside of what you're being told and go out and and at least see what the side you're being told to hate 
is saying and what they are doing. Just a thought. Anyway, I'll get you guys another show this week. Uh, that is going to do it. I know these are, you know, 40, 45 minutes around. Um, appreciate you guys putting up with, with my schedule. I appreciate you guys being here. I mean, and, and maybe let's, let's talk about this for a few minutes at the end of the show. 200 episodes of Radical. I had, I think it was 180, almost 179 episodes of The Rebellion. I mean, I'm no math major, but uh, that's about 389 episodes altogether. And man, I would just be absolutely remiss if I didn't say thank you uh, a million times over to you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I have seen a lot come and go as I've done these shows, and it's always been pushing and fighting for peace, for liberty, for consent, for free markets, for an individual and their sovereignty. It has been, you know, lighthearted a lot of times, and it has been extremely heavy. Uh, and, you know, to to take criticism in the space. And, you know, I think if, if, if you want to do this, if you want to, you know, create a show, if you want to reach out to people, if you want to share your thoughts, I think it's a good thing. I hope you got some thick skin because no matter what you do, uh, there are going to be people out there that think you're absolutely terrible, horrendous, want grandma to die. Uh, you know, just, just things like that. Like 200, well, almost 400 shows all together, I guess. But to, to have a lot of you guys here from the very beginning and even, you know, the, the people that are just now tuning in, like this is, this is really cool for me to be able to do. And the fact that you share it, the fact that you support a lot of the times when I'm running for office, um, the, the crazy schedules with everything that's going on, the somewhat, a lot of times, you know, angles on stories that you're not getting in other places. And I think that's probably why this show has done as well as it has is because it says the tough things I say, I guess I say the tough things. I say things that a lot of people don't have the courage to say because they're going to offend people. And I don't care, uh, that, you know, we're not politically correct. I don't care that we're not trying to make buddies. Like I think that message that we are in the fight of our lives, you know, and I've been saying it since, I don't know, 2017. For those that, you know, have, have listened, it's like, I think we're pretty right on. I think we've been pretty right on since, since that time and pretty dialed in. I think we have, you know, the responding message. And I think that's why it's been, um, not only, you know, started to be taken seriously. Like to, to be in this position now, to be invited onto, you know, mainstream um, media outlets like Kennedy, to be able to go sit down with, you know, Tim Pool and be in this, you know, space of Liberty Podcasters. You know, this is this is something that comes with an absolute ton of hard work uh, and it comes with great people that are coming together, that are finding each other 
you know, finding that, that family, the people that are absolutely down to the very end with their principles and to be that guy that you guys turn into and, and, and ask questions and I don't know, guests and everything else, man, Every, like the whole, the whole almost damn 400 shows has been an absolute trip to, to do for you guys. So from the bottom of my heart, uh, to each and every one of you out there, thank you guys for everything, for sharing, for the messages, for the, the, the reviews, the, the, the patrons for helping me set up, um, a great studio that is, as soon as I'm back on my feet, we are going to rock and roll with some just amazing people. And I think you guys are going to see this thing grow and grow and grow, um, as the empire falls more and more and more, maybe someday we won't even need it. Here's hoping to that though. So thank you guys. I will, uh, talk to you guys later in the week. Appreciate it. I love you. I need you. Peace.